lot of times, like, it comes from a place of truth. It might be a little bit too incendiary at points. Mm-hmm. Like, it might, it might be somewhat purposefully offensive, but, like... It's real. It's real. But at the same time, like, sometimes people, like, instead of sugarcoating shit, sometimes you just need to tell a person, shut the fuck up and listen. The secrets of the rap game exposed! This is... We got Kid Sigori and Azuri Gabra in the building, ladies and gentlemen, give it up. This is two for one special today. Alright, today's show, we went seriously all over the place. Illuminati, how dumb you cats are, how dumb the music is, how great they are, you know what I'm saying, how great I am too. But basically, this is just conversation. Sit back, enjoy, let's get this one, y'all. Shut up and sit down. Let's get it! Yeah, and they may not always be right, but there's there's something there's something in there that's true. Like you know what I'm saying? Because the essence of a secret society is that these motherfuckers wouldn't just be knowing all this shit factually. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like there's shit they don't know, and the Illuminati might not even be the name of it, but in concept, it is what it is. You know what I'm saying? Like you gotta open people's ass to the idea, of some shit like that, and then truth, and, and then and then when. You actually see their plans in action. It may not be exactly what the person on YouTube is talking about, but the concept, the proof of concept, is there. Oh yeah, you know what I'm saying? Because it is a secret society. So the shit that they're doing, we don't know about. And by extension, some motherfucker on YouTube really don't know about. But like, if you open people's eyes to the to the, the concept that something like this, this idea exists. And there are people that are working to further this certain type of cause then when fucking shit happens people won't be as surprised and they might have some idea how to fucking cope with it or deal with it yeah because like one of the biggest secret societies that you know that's out that really ain't a secret is politics because they always you know yeah, they yeah, yeah. It's, it's a fraternity it's definitely a fraternity they all they they may not all like each other but at the same time like that bipartisan shit like like how how else how else can you control that that large amount of people? You give people two choices. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah like real shit. Like so, on one side, on one side, motherfuckers think that like these people are helping these people, and then these people are against these people. So as long as there's a fucking divide, then they can control how the shit turns out. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Barack Obama ain't fucking. John F. Kennedy, you know what I'm saying? Like, that nigga was trying to create some change, he'd be dead already. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Well, somebody tried to whack him off the other day. I'm saying that's just that's just some shit they set up, you know what I mean? Like to for the media, you know what I'm saying? I know. They want they want fucking they want people to be like afraid of this or they want people to fucking think that certain things is happening. Like, it's all bullshit. Like they all sit down and eat lunch with each other. But yeah, you know good, good shot, good picture of that window that we got somewhere that's not near White House. But you know what's funny? What cracks me up, right? Okay, this nigga jumps over the, uh, the fence, right? Boom, starts running around. First thing in my mind, why hasn't he been shot? Right, why is he arrested? He should have been shot. If he, if he but, was, hey, if he was black, he would have oh, been shot. Oh, man, hold up, man. If he was black, if he would have looked at the gate, they would have dropped, dropped the atomic bomb on that nigga right in the middle of the street if he was black. You know, you got Mike Brown. Okay, 
Well, all right, he, he I'm stole saying, some. I'm saying he stole that, some cigars, right? I'm saying, and that, he like, pushed a cop. I'm saying though, that, like Mike Brown, Mike Brown is just the latest. I mean, shit, like Spike Lee made a movie about that type of shit, fucking almost thirty years ago. Called Do the Right Thing, like you know what I mean, like because during that summer and in the preceding few years before that, there was a lot of fucking people getting killed by police officers and shit. You know what I'm saying? It was an issue fucking all that all that time ago and it's still an issue. Like I just feel like motherfuckers need to stop being selective about like the type of shit that they tolerate and don't tolerate and the type of shit they stand up for. It's like, yeah, it's it's all well it's all well and fine for motherfuckers to protest when a cop shoots one of us. But then what if we out in the street and I shoot you? And somebody, one of these motherfuckers over at the bricks over there said, mm-hmm. they probably ain't going to tell. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, they're not going to be all outraged like, one black man killed another black man. This has to stop. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, we need to fucking, we need to, we need to tackle death, you know, at all fucking, at all fucking bases, man. Like, it's like, I understand that with police, there's a, there's a more, there's more, what, what am I? What, what's the word I'm looking for? There's more shit. There's more shit behind it because they're doing it in order to control like people and try to keep people like, you know, what I mean, just keep people sterile and shit. Like if if the, if the police make you fear them, you know, what I mean, when they roll through, it's like, oh shit, police better not better not reach in my pocket for anything. I better not fucking walk too close to the car. I better just be a good old boy and, you know, yes, sir, boss. You know what I mean? Like, that's racism incarnate. Like, and that's what white people don't understand. Like, it's impossible for black people to be racist because we can't control nothing. We can't make the quality of your life overall worse. Like, if a white person said I did something to him, like... You're going down. Yeah. No questions asked. But if, but if I say that this white person did something to me or stole something from me, they got to investigate... And come to a conclusion beyond a shadow of a doubt before they'll before they'll make that white person admit or make that white person accountable for what they did. You know Not only saying? do they do an investigation of the crime, right? They do an investigation of you. Yeah, and if your credibility ain't up to snuff, <laughs> like they're gonna attack you for being a victim. Like you know what I'm saying? Just like Mike Brown. Like they put up a picture of some dude holding a gun and money on. Like it circulated this picture, and then it came back. It wasn't even him. Exactly. Like, see, this nigga's dead. Y'all, y'all, y'all trying to, y'all still trying to, like, cast him as some sort of villain, right? Even if he did push the cop, like, shit, bro. Like, I, I just seen a fucking video where these cops was holding this homeless, this white homeless dude down, and they tased him, and. Fucking for some reason he got tased and got superpowers and just broke out of it and just dipped on the cops. They didn't pull out their guns. They didn't even. They barely even chased after him. Dude was gone. But if he was black and he did that, he start running. They would start shooting at him. Yeah, they dumped the whole clip in him. Yeah, and then said that fucking he was advancing towards them or some bullshit like that. And it's just like, and it's not like it's not like motherfuckers is trying to is trying to like bring up all this shit just to bring it up it's like 
there is definitely a difference in how black and brown people are policed compared to white people. Like, I, 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 w- I was acquainted with the dude who shot them cops up Stanton Heights a couple years ago. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I, know, I know that dude. You know what I'm saying? Like, if he was black, he wouldn't have made it out of there alive. You know what I'm saying? Dude at the movie theater. If he was down in Colorado, Dark Knight shit. If he was black, he wouldn't have made it out that movie theater. Right? Like, there's people that fucking kill multiple people in public places, and then somehow the cops find a way to fucking take the motherfucker down without killing them. You know what I'm saying? When in the same token, you got all these unarmed black people that just get shot, and somehow it's justified. Like, even a uh, young homie uh, out there in um, oh, dude who uh, stabbed everybody up at school. Um, this was recent, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, wasn't it out there in Plum. Little dude, uh, ran through the school, stabbed everybody up. That's crazy. Okay, I don't think no, I, that was a black kid. He, yo, he'd have got popped. Okay. Yeah, yeah, something would have happened. Something would have happened. You know, like, what cracks me up is, you know, you got like these... Uh, you don't mind if I smoke, do you? No, go ahead, man. All right. Uh, by the way, we're recording. Oh, cool. Okay, I didn't even know that. No, we're recording. No, the conversation was getting real good. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'll do that real quick. But, uh, no, nah, man, it's... um, You know, it's just... What cracks me up is... Uh, you know, these white people that always talk about, like, uh, how us as uh, black people, and particularly black men, we're like uh, the scourge of the earth. Yeah. I'm honest, white man. You know, but when you look at historical facts, we ain't do shit. Yeah. We haven't, we haven't committed atrocities against pretty much every colored population across the world. All right. You know yeah. They blew up Chinese people in mines and made them build railroads. You know what I'm saying? They took they took Filipino people and they fucking. I mean, we're like, I mean, it's just so much. Like, you know, what I mean, they colonized Africa and took all the way took away all the natural resources and the ability for Africa to thrive on its own as a continent. And then they try to make it seem like these people. These people who fucking have these regimes in these countries who kill all these people are the ones who caused all of it. But it's like when you leave a vacuum and you tear a culture and a homeland apart like that, then the people who are left in this wake have no choice but to act in a certain way. And then when you find out, you know, like these uh, puppet governments and like who really uh, funds them, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's just nothing but it's yeah. white supremacy. That's all it is. Yeah. You know, but you know, you bring out these facts. You know, you know, people think you're nuts, or or they try to call you racist because you're bringing up facts. You know what I'm saying, so, you know. I don't know. I love everybody. I don't care what color you are. You know what I'm saying. But at the same time, I'm gonna call a spade a spade. Like, and if more white people acknowledge white privilege, then there would be less of a problem between common people when these sensitive racial things happen out in the world. Because, because like people, people feel guilty. They feel guilty, but, but then they don't, they don't want to feel like they're turning on their own kind by acknowledging it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, <laughs> and it's, and it's, it's not, like if I see a fucking 
if I see some some shit happen where some country in Africa just goes to Europe and colonizes some country and enslaves the people, like I'm gonna say that I'm against that. You know what I'm saying? Because it's wrong from a human standpoint. So I wouldn't feel like I'm doing my people a disservice by speaking out on injustice, regardless of who is the fucking victim, who's the victim, and who's the person inflicting it. You know what I'm saying? It's true. It's true. You know, but then again, you know, our world has been built on injustices, you know. Behind every behind every great fortune there's a great atrocity, you know what I'm saying? Like everything that everything that's in front of us was built on blood and tears and all that, you know what I'm saying? Everywhere. So let me ask you this, right? Do you think um are you stating that? And us sitting here right now, do you think uh we're benefiting from the privilege of that? I mean, I'm to to the to the smallest degree that one can. Like, um, I mean, we are benefiting from the fact that we're living on we're living on stolen land. I mean, granted, we were the ones that were enlisted to cultivate this stolen land, for the most part, you know. So, like, our journey our journey is kind of tied to the Native Americans in that respect. But I, you know. I do feel like I do feel like we we benefit from the atrocities that was committed by others, but at the same time, like we were somewhat a part of the atrocities that built this country in particular. So I think that we benefit to the smallest degree that one can, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about you, man? Man, you may have to talk up a little bit because Mike's over here. Okay. Huh? How do I? How do I? Think Just about talk. That. Yeah, how do, yeah. How do I think about that? Well, honestly, I mean, I, I have to agree with Clay when it comes to yeah, we we lived a part of those atrocities for um, centuries. centuries, almost millennia, and I feel like even in a bigger aspect before when it comes to this going up to back back when before you know everything was colonized in America. Um, you know, Greeks and things of that nature. We live through all those types of atrocities and it just rapidly changes. And it seemed like it's a repetitive loop. Just atrocity after atrocity and we're, we're taking, you know, having advantage to cultivate those atrocities. And as today, we're still doing that. Just for the fact on how we're living, like Clay said, we're living on stolen land and we're cultivating stolen land. And I mean, I feel like a very honestly, I feel like America's kind of doing that to some, to some culture now, and in, in some countries. And it, it it may sound it may sound unorthodox, it may sound crazy, but I I I think that because I'm looking at facts on how those atrocities are coming here, and then we're cultivating more atrocities in other countries. Think about think about Israel. In Palestine, exactly. It's just like it's it's just the same thing. It's like you're using you're you're using the military force to push people off of land, and then labeling people who feel the need to strike back at those forces as terrorists, right? Or just out and out creating creating enemies for the media to tell people. Okay, this is the enemy now. Like this whole ISIS thing, it smell it stinks to high heaven for me. Oh. Like, 
like motherfuckers don't motherfuckers don't roll that deep and do that much shit and you just now found finding out about it like yeah come on man come on man you know what a nigga you know when a nigga's trapping on facebook and you don't know when motherfuckers is built in a fucking army come on man like that don't make no sense to me like and you know this is just this is just a theory this is just crazy me talking but when you put an actual hebrew person from the Middle East, from Israel, from Palestine, next to a so-called Arab or a so-called Muslim, you can't really tell the difference between them. So, I mean, if you put a mask on somebody and tell them to behead somebody, you don't know whether that's Israeli Mossad or if that's legitimately terrorist. Because at the end of the day, like, people's individuals' lives are nothing for these government forces to snuff out for their larger agendas. It's nothing to them to kidnap a journalist, turn them over to some Israeli motherfuckers, and have them behead him on camera and say that these people did it or it's a part of this army, they, they're doing this, just so it'll seem more okay when President Obama is sending drone strikes and blowing up fucking Palestinian children and fucking innocent people who just live where they fucking lived at for however long. Just for that purpose. You know what I'm saying? Like. The state of Israel as we know it today was created by the UN after World War II. Like half the motherfuckers who live in Israel have no cultural ties to the Middle East, to that region at all. Most of them is fucking Hungarian Jews, European Jews that fucking was like, hey, you know, like, hey, you know, fucking, yeah, we're just going to smack you smack dab in the middle of all these fucking, all these fucking uh, Muslim countries, Muslim nations. And yeah, we'll, we'll 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 help you out. Like we'll we'll expand your borders over time. It's, it's okay. We got you. Now, okay. Uh, since you said that right now, do you know about the uh, Ethiopians? Yeah, how they persecute the Ethiopians who who are as far as how the Bible's been interpreted to me over the years are a part of the original tribes of Israel and deserve to be treated just like any other Jew is, but they're not. They push them. They push them in the ghettos, just like they push black people in the ghettos in this country. But, but they don't talk about that on TV. You heard? Uh, did you hear about the uh, sterilization projects? Man, it wouldn't surprise me. They've been doing it over here for years. You know what I'm saying? They they got all them people down in uh, North Carolina. They just settled with some people down in Carolina. People who were being sterilized and didn't even know it. Just like on some Tuskegee shit, telling motherfuckers they getting healthcare and they getting vaccinations and shit. Meanwhile, you sterilizing them and injecting them with diseases so you can study the effects of untreated fucking diseases and shit. Like, you know what I mean? Like the father of gynecology fucking figured out how to do all that shit to female body parts from slaves. From slaves. Oh, what was his name? Um, because I read up on him. Cause I'm terrible with names, but yeah, cause I was reading up and what he was doing, it was like, really? Like no anesthesia, just straight poking and prodding in a woman's parts, like savage shit, bro. Like you couldn't do that with a cadaver. <laughs> I don't know. But then again, when I mean, when you look at like certain um, sciences or Western science. And how we got the uh, knowledge, okay, there was a lot of savagery going on in the name of science and, and medicine. You know I, mean, I mean, to a certain extent, to a certain extent, you know, like, 
for the greater good, for the greater good, you definitely, like, some things definitely need to happen, but when you're selecting people based on their race and, you know what I mean, based on the fact that you think that they're inferior human beings because of their, their genetic and racial background, like, that's wrong. Like, now, if there was fucking eight black men and eight white men that was in the Tuskegee experiment for untreated syphilis, wouldn't look as bad. Because, you know what I mean? Like, there's some there's some parody, there's some parody there, you know what I'm saying? Like, but they, they took the poorest, most fucking fucked up people said, hey, you know, you want some free health care? You know, I know you can't afford to go to the doctor, but, you know, you can come, you come to the doctor, we will take care of you. And these motherfuckers got syphilis, and they don't even know it. Fucked up shit, man. Yeah, man. All right, Del. Yes. Maybe pause this for a little Hey, bit. man. Yeah, what, what, no, what the hell? Yeah. Let's see, I, I keep looking at that shit, man. It's like, it's calling me, like, Calling you, man. Go out of retirement. Oh it's God. calling you, man. No, uh, basically, like what we just talked about, like I'm gonna splice and dice it together. You know what I'm saying? In the, in the interview, you know what I'm saying? So all right. it's all good. But let me ask you this, man, because I always ask everybody this. All right. You know, if you want to chime in, you can chime in. Hip hop called you. Cause it called it everybody. Why did you answer the call? Huh, that's that's a very good question. Why did I answer that call? I say basically when I was doing poetry, when I started off in poetry and was listening to all types of hip hop, for an example, the roots. My uncle was big on the roots and every time I hear it it was sound like the same thing, it's just poetry. So in high school I started listening to instrumentals and something just told me like, Okay, start rhyming, just say something, just say something witty. And I said something witty and I got people feeling it. I'm like, man, is, is this my calling? Back then I thought that. and But I also didn't think it was my true calling because other things came into tie with that. You know, my art, gaming, and things of that nature. And I was a kid back then, so I didn't know. I couldn't build it up. But i say in 06, it started coming back, that calling. And it's like all the stuff that would influence you to do this. You, you're writing poetry still. And I was just writing. And then I was like, you know what? Let's do it again. Start recording again when I was in college. I'm like, man, something is just calling me. I went back home to Detroit in 06 because I didn't, you know, really do good in college. But I came back. Boy was like, you know, I'm going up to the booth. You want to do something? I had stuff ready. Already in my notebook. I was like, yeah, let's do this. And just called me, it directly called me. People were feeling me. And I, you know, I really wasn't in in the actual booth, whether it was professional or not. It was something to record on. I never actually recorded live vocals over anything. I just usually did, man, just a little bootleg thing over the table. That was just for fun. But I never actually had seen programs going at it in mics. And I was like, this is something cool. And it just called me, like, keep going, keep going. You're doing good, keep going. Because Later on, in several years, you're going to look back and you're going to start doing this again and keep going with it. It's going to be all a big improvement. So, yeah, that's how I called out to me several times, and I ignored that call. But I answered a call in 06, 
something kind of forced me to answer the call, the words, the influence that I got from friends, the influence that I put upon friends. They called me like, you see, you did keep going with it. And throughout the day, that calling has still influenced me. I got, I got music I can display. I got people I can collab with that I'm inspiring to write more. And they're inspiring me to get on a different level. This, this interview itself, everything. That's what that calling was. And I finally answered the call. You, for an example, Larry. That was a part of that he call. He's not Larry. Well, Dan. Dan. Status. <laughs> yeah, we we edit that, but yeah, yeah, we edit that. I mean, for me, um, like I, I have a, I have a, like a, a big, like family history as far as hip hop. I got two older brothers who really influenced me a lot as far as my musical taste and my appreciation of the culture. Being that you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in my late twenties. And I have two brothers that are, you know, in their early 40s and uh, late 30s, respectively. Um, I think that I, I gained a, a respect for hip hop culture earlier in my life than a lot of people did. Um, like I was, I was a young kid who actually listened to Wu Tang Clan and kind of understood what they was talking about a little bit more than my friends so you know I would listen to Nas and I would know the words you know I would know the context of what he was talking about and my brother he's one of the first graffiti writers that Pittsburgh had back in the early 80s he went by Wiz and just having just having that music around me like 24 7 365 early in my life really really made me appreciate what hip-hop culture is and i think that to a large extent the populace the masses have lost what hip-hop culture is really about <clears throat> and um but i pride myself on believing that i within my heart stay true to hip-hop culture because it's something that i really love and i'm really passionate about and I think that more people should appreciate it for what it is and not for what they think it is. All right, well, let me ask this. What is hip-hop? Because, like, to, you know, everybody has, like, their different perspective of what hip-hop culture is. So to both of you, what, what does hip-hop culture mean to you? What is your perception of it? Well, me personally, my perception of hip-hop culture, it's, it's all about... It's all about... Furthering, furthering the art, taking it, taking it serious, but still, but still having fun, still retaining, still retaining some sense of rawness. It's almost like the the jazz musicians, like they didn't, they didn't concern themselves with necessarily anything but the music. It's all about the music. It's all about, it's all about having different, diverse influences and bringing it all together for a common goal. Because when hip hop first started, everybody thought it was a phase. It wasn't going to be around for long. It wasn't, it was just a bunch of kids just doing some BS, you know what I'm saying? And, you know, now hip hop is, you know, 40 years old, you know? Like it's, 
you know, it's 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 a whole grown person. So to me, hip hop culture, hip hop culture is all about furthering the art, furthering the music, furthering the mind state, taking taking it worldwide. Hip hop is worldwide now, you know. Like everybody is, you know, because people really love people really love how the music people make makes them feel. You remember, you remember where you were the first time you heard your favorite songs. You know what I'm saying? You remember. You remember how you used to dress when you when you listened to this certain type of music so many years ago. You remember how life was. Like songs provide a soundtrack for our lives, regardless of whether it's hip hop, rock, jazz, or whatever. But like it's still it's still such a developing culture. It's still reaching out to people, and I think that that's what hip hop is. It's all about reaching out to everyone and bringing them in the fold. You know, it's all about unity. It's all about it's all about expansion. You know. But it's been so watered down and commercialized that I think I think that people get street culture and hip hop culture mixed up too much because the culture of the streets. I think that the culture of the streets influences the music, then the music influences the streets. Because even before there was hip hop music, there was cats out on the streets selling drugs, listening to the Asley Brothers, and you know what I mean, Earth, Wind, and Fire. So. <laughs> like I think I think that I think that the line gets blurred between the music and the streets and I think that that's something that's something that people need to not you know not have a misconception about like just because just because it's hip hop doesn't mean that it has to be violent or you know sexist or offensive necessarily not saying that those things have no place in hip hop culture because there's positive and negative in all aspects of life. And I think that as human beings, we have to explore all the positive and negative influences that we encounter in life. <clears throat> because, you know, that's just what life is. It's, it's, you know, heads and tails, yin and yang. Like, I think, but I think that people need to try to explore the lighter side of hip hop and really embrace the music and embrace the artistry that goes into it more so than just packaging it up with this this shit that goes on now I guess I kind of get off no you know you on topic Dell well I mean Missouri whatever you want to be called you can call me Bob Bo (laughs) um man I can honestly say I mean how they just captivated around me honestly listening what what my peers and what my parents used to listen to. I was surprised my parents and my uncle and stuff. I'm like, man, how y'all gonna listen to what we listen to? You know, they showed me everything. They showed me everything from vinyls and things of that nature. Just playing. I'm like, okay. They tried to make an argument because I was a young kid and I didn't know any better. But as I grew up and progressed and learned more about the cultivation and the astounding greatness of hip hop. It just inspired me to just like go more into it. Like, wow, this is good. You you're listening to blues and from what Clay was saying how it's watered down. I mean I can agree because I I think the exact same thing when it comes to inspiring nowadays and how it has a big influence. I mean it's a big influence around the world. And you have your you have both sides. You have your good. You have your bad. You have your zany. 
You just have that straight lyrical content or story. Um, it's more overly now that I, I, it's not. I don't really feel like that as much because of the fact. But and, and with 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 that said and done, it's like okay, yeah, this it just brings more into it because it's a lot more. How would I say this? It's a lot more underrated. And I label myself that always. I'm still be underrated because it's like I I started as an underrated aspiring artist. I mean, a big influence came from when I was listening to nothing but Sugar Hill Gang stuff. And then my uncle had LL. I was listening to Red Man, Method Man, Gangstar. I mean, a, a lot of hip hop. So Nas, Jay-Z, The Roots. Track all quest. I mean, he was I was just bumping all that, and my uncle was just he was he was he was happy, but he was a little sad because it's how the, I was listening to even the commercialized stuff when I was telling him like, oh, DMX is cool, and this and that. DMX is a great artist, man. Yes, he is. He's definitely a great artist, Mike. Um, he's actually, a true original. Oh, he's a true uh, he's a true original and a true per character per se. The reason why I know that from experience because. My grandmother, and I'm, I'm going to add this in because this is how it got me so more influenced that I thought all rappers were bad, but this guy is just... Um, back in 8 Mile, my grandmother used to work at a boutique called Ganto's, and DMX was in town for his tour. Um, he went to Ganto's, stopped by Ganto's, and my grandmother helped him out. Now, my grandmother didn't know who in the world DMX was, and she called me up because there was a lot of people, I mean, you know, fans and entourage was all around Gantos. And he, I mean, even the, her coworkers knew who they were and knew who he was. She, she called me. She like, have you heard of a guy D, DMX? I nearly, I nearly fainted on the floor. When she said that DMX actually left, before he left, he bought her a sweater. And she has that sweater to this very day. He bought her a sweater. Then I even let her know. He was like, look, wait till I leave. And you can tell her. Gave her the sweater. It was so crazy. Because um, she called me up like, yeah, DMX was there. I'm like, DMX was at Gantos? My uncle's like, what's wrong with you? I'm like, dude, DMX was at Gantos. And then when she told me about the sweater thing, I was like, yo, DMX bought grandmother a sweater. My uncle was like, what? I'm like, yo, DMX, what? Oh, we was just, it was so hype. What? It was so hype. And his best DMX voice, like, what? And we was listening to DMX that night. We just started, like, just started listening to DMX. He had flesh in my flesh, blood in my blood. Too bad it was the censored version. But I had, I was like, nah. I, later on, I got the uncensored version, the parental advisory. So, we listened to DMX, they're like, Man, this is crazy. It was just amazing how it got me inspired to do it more. Like, man, one day I want to be like DMX. One day I want to be like the inspiring artist that influenced me to do this. My biggest influence, other than DMX, would be my number one top guy to how I got into poetry even more is um, the Jizza from Wu-Tang. Mm -hmm. I will bump the Jizza every single day. When I was listening to Wu-Tang, because I was listening to Wu-Tang with my cousin, you know, we're around the damn near the 
around the same age bracket generation when it comes to that. I mean, he's several years older. I mean, he's like 30-something now. But he would listen to Bone and all that, and I would listen to it because that's me and that's what we're listening to. Listening to the Wu-Tang, just start bumping out like, yo, yo, cuz, you got more Wu-Tang stuff? You got him. He had, I remember when he had the ghost, he had the ghost face purple tape. That's, that was the Rayquan. Yeah, the Rayquan. Yeah, the Rayquan. Yeah, that. And then he had the fresh soundtrack. Like, yo, more Wu-Tang, yo. And then I started hearing the Jizzle. He had a lot of the Jizzle stuff. I'm like... So growing up, I would just write little diddly poems. Yeah, I said diddly poems for a reason, because they were diddly funny. They were on some Ned Flanders type stuff. And I was a little... I was a good child, I guess. <laughs> But you know what? You know what's funny? You know, talking to different artists, right? I see there's a gateway drug, if you will, to hip hop, and that gateway drug is poetry. Mm-hmm. Everybody was always writing a poem. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? You know, be it you know like simple little rhymes, you know, or really expressing themselves. And all of a sudden, I mean, as you're writing this poetry, you're listening to this rap music. And then oh, you realize, you realize it's the same. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think with um like in school, like there's always that there's always that one year in English class where they, they introduce you to, you know, different formats of poetry. Yeah. And I think that the people who, who, who really have that in their minds and in their hearts, once they once they get it introduced to that, then they just take off from there usually. Cause that was a big part that was a big part of my development is a as an artist was just being like you know encountering limericks and haikus and different types of poetry and prose in English class in school it made me realize that there was that there that there was there was like precedent to all this shit like you know what I mean there was there was a format set out you know what I mean you could study you could study this and figure out like ways to use words better and, you know, bring your point across um, to actually uh, communicate with other people because, you know, um, the, one, the one element of music literature in general is that, um, you know, we have the power to move people emotionally. Yeah. You know, um, even the most simplest rhymes, you know, at the right moment in time can inspire you or not even say inspire, it can make you feel good, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, just as MCs, um, a lot of MCs really don't, MCs or rappers don't understand this power. So let me ask you this. Have you had that aha moment that, you know, that, you know, you discover that your words can actually move people? Yeah, I can honestly say yes. But it wasn't at an earlier time, it was at a later time. And you know where I found that out at? What? You ever heard of a book called The Four Agreements? No. 
I finally realized that in my 20s, I first read The Four Agreements by Ruiz, Miguel Ruiz. I read that and he said that your words are your power, are your mightiest and powerful weapon. I thought about it. I thought about my music. I thought about the words I chose. And like you said, the way I move people, fans or not, and how they felt emotionally. I thought about through all the years I said all the random, crazy, most influential or most angriest things. And I'll always get some type of response, whether if it was negative or positive, they felt it. There were people that listened to it around me just felt that like, damn, man. I noticed that at the age of 26 years old when I read that book. Read that book, looked at that quote, I was floored. So yes, I, I definitely know that now. And I should have, and actually I've been knew that, but I just denied it, honestly. I denied, like, man, this ain't this ain't doing nothing. This ain't doing nothing. Until I really looked at it, like, man, this is doing something, because people were telling me what they like and for a big example, I'm gonna bring in this song that everybody loves. Sugi, you know which one it is. Yes. The Odell Lancaster special. The Odell Lancaster special. It's even it's even my name. It's so funny that the song encouraged one of my boys that's building a barcade to name one of his meals Odell Lancaster. All you can eat hot dogs. For five hours. For the preference that yeah, the song is called "She Sucks a Lot of Dick." Popular song ever. And I made funny. I'm not gonna I mean, lie. I made it, funnier, but that one. It really pissed me off, dude, to be honest with you. Hey. Cause like everybody everybody was gravitating toward this, toward this obviously, you know, just like a joke song, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And they, they kinda like but I never heard I never heard the, the those same people give a strong reaction one way or another to more well thought out more uh more artistic tracks that he had done over that period of time and i didn't i didn't quite understand uh, but like like he was saying words can move people and sometimes humor humor is a, a big thing for some people like yeah i didn't really think it would be so humorous and honestly that song was just made out of the out of the crevice of a freestyle one just ash horse thing, and um, I gotta give I gotta give my um shout out to Exorcist. He's a he's a brother from another mother. He's my partner in crime when it comes to building up our dream, which is our group, AWO Assassins with Order. Back then it was called Assassins. Um, you know we did the NWO the NWO thing, WCW type deal. Assassin World Order, yeah, Assassin World Order. But now. As I thought about it, I'm like, we're assassins with order because he's a producer slash part-time lyricist. I'm a lyricist, and we started it. Now, we, we let's let's go on the influence, that back to that topic, influence. When I started back in 06, he did not even know I rapped until he heard some of the stuff that I was doing with my boy Jetta Khan. 
we went to that booth and he heard some stuff when he was going back home. He was taking me back home. He was like, wait, that's you? Pick me up from work. Like, yeah, I got something to listen to, man. You know, you like, you know, like my stuff. He's like, wait, you rap? I need to hear this. You know, he was, he was jokingly around. He was joking. Like, come on, man. This, 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 it. He heard a lot of stuff from me. He was like, dude, dude, do you know you got you? Do you know that this is hot? This is something that I've been waiting for for years, man. I was like, yeah, man. You know, all the stuff that we listened to back in high school. He He's the one who introduced me to Ninth Wonder. He's the one who introduced me to Doom to get more into back in KMD. And he's the one who influenced me to all the rappers that I should have been listening to while I was in high school. Sky Zoo. Um, who else? Um, who else did he introduce me to? I mean, Foreign Exchange. Um, crisis. Producers. And I'm like, oh my God, this is... He influenced himself to make and produce. Self-taught himself. Played the same game you playing. Fruity Loops. Influenced by Knife Wonder. We were so into it, we bought books. Spent our tax money on <clears throat> on our own setup. And he influenced, he went hard every day. Every day we get on, we, he'll, you know, he'll go to work, I'll go to work. Be like, yo, what you up to? You wanna, can I come over to grip? Yeah. He bring the laptop over. I go over his crib. We're just you know, like sitting there playing with Fruity Loops. I made some creepy carnival stuff. To this very day, even with the whole she sucks a lot of dick thing, he reminds me that Godell. Remember, you made more crazier stuff than this. Remember when you tried to produce and you made you made my sister scared by making a crazy sweet tooth twisted metal carnival beat. <laughs> I was like, and uh, and honestly, I still have those. <laughs> I still have those. I still have those. All the stuff that we have done from beginning till now, like from his beats to my to my material, I, I have it. CD wise. Oh, it's so funny. I sat there like, oh my God, I remember this. His sister keeps reminding me like, I was so scared. You scared me with this creepy stuff. I couldn't even sleep. I was like, man. So, I mean, but there's another song that I never released, Dan. Now, I already discussed with you before that I have a, a lot of unreleased stuff. Only several people, a handful of people around my circle have heard. I've made a song. A historical song before she sucks a lot of dick that came that had everybody really, really amazed and feeling so funny about it. You remember rhymes like dimes we were talking about, um, Kitsugi? I made a song off that instrumental and it was called Fooly Judy. It was so funny because it was an actual story about a neighborhood prostitute when I was a kid. They didn't even know what it meant. When I was living with my mom and all that good stuff, you know, it's just Detroit. We had all that type, all that type of crazy stuff going on. There was a prostitute named Judy, and she was just around. <laughs> it, yeah. the prostitutes uh, there you go. Yeah. And I can't believe I remember some of the stuff, but I just made a story about like how she was just go around the streets, and I didn't know what it was. Oh, okay, it's a prostitute when I grew up and found out what a, what a slut or a streetwalker or a hooker was. I'm like, oh, so that was Judy back in the day. 
Ew. <laughs> but um, yeah. So I made the song. People was like, Odell, you're messed up in the head, but this is so funny. I'm like, man, and this wasn't even random. I wrote it out and everything. And once I find the track, I am going to bring that back to life. Because I feel like, moreover, that was my baby. Fooly Judy was my baby. I loved that baby cradle and lid all around. Like, oh, here you go. She sucks a lot of dick. I think it's like his retarded Siamese Siamese twin. (laughs) Here you go. Ah, she She sucks it all. I'm like... Oh, bad. This is like the retarded version. Like, man, the next random joint I'm gonna come up with is not gonna be. It's not gonna be right. I might start, and I might, and honestly, you know, I'm better than JJ Fish. <laughs> when it comes well, to a lot the, of people are better than JJ Fish. Fish. But let me ask, how many albums you got, man? Um, as far as mixtapes, EPs, or just LPs. Albums, you mixtapes, whatever. How many you got out right now? So far, right now, I have five. Mm-hmm. Working on six with this next project that I'm doing with um, Fletch. Mm-hmm. And shouts out to Fletch and Art. Word up, Fletch. Yeah. Um, half of those um, projects that I have out, albums that I have out, are thanks to Fletch. And you mixing and mastering, thanks to art, thanks to all the producers and artists that were willing to work with me. Even my own boy, you know, from another mother X, he's still with me in 108, which is also with AWO. Um, very, very dope rapper, by the way. Very dope. And it's, I love it. Um, five albums, five albums right now, two mixtapes. Two solo EPs and one collaboration EP with Fletch. And we're also known as the Notorious Bastards. Okay. Well, let me ask you this, man. Now, what's your... Because you got Odell Lancaster mm-hmm. and Zeri Guyver. Mm-hmm. Okay, you have multiple personality disorder. <laughs> the old dirty bastard disorder. Okay. <laughs> when, when fans listen to you, when people listen to you, mm-hmm. okay, which one is the better artist? That's a good question. And, you know, I answer that to all who, I mean, to whoever's filling that crowd or to whoever what that crowd is filling. That they're feeling that opinionated, in your face, um, what's the another word that I'm looking for? More eccentric and unique type of artist. You can look for Zori Guyver because he's like that. And that branches off from my poetry side. That still branches off like that. I still got to carry that. That's like a seed that's grown into a big tree. So Azuri Giver is that tree that grown into this, you know, this guy that comes out like, look, man, I can do this off a computer screen. I don't have to be on forums to say how I feel. I can write this out and make a story out of something that happened around when I was a kid. If you're feeling that zany, random, more in-your-face ego or... Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm this. I'm, and I can't say swag or anything. I just say he's there. He's there for you to laugh at. He's there for you to be like, damn, he's crazy. He can't. And he's there. He's, he's outrageous. Like a lot of people like outrageousness, and and not, and in my opinion, not many rappers, in my opinion, have that. Nowadays, don't have that outrageousness that people are looking for. It's all 
a little watered down. Back then, hip-hop had so many outrageous people. Too Short was one of my influential... Yeah, he was so many characters, man. So many unique characters. He just and I'm like, damn. I I think I got too much in with the whole, the whole, bitch and disrespecting women from him. Like, damn. And like back then, I ain't never call a girl out of her day a little girl that would wear pants. So look at that dumb bitch. But in middle school, it was like, bitch, this I was cussing a lot. <laughs> I think we all were, man. Had Tourette's. But see, one thing about Too Short, man, like, he he didn't talk about women in general. He talked about a particular brand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. bitches. Okay. <laughs> bitches, whores, holes, and tricks. He's from Oakland and pimping. Yeah, you know, not every woman is a bitch and not every bitch is a, a woman. Hope. All right, exactly. You know? and, and, you know, but hip-hop, especially today, like, um, they're, the characterization of hip-hop is very one-dimensional. Yeah. Okay, um, you know, it, it's... This swagged out, tattooed, skinny dude, wearing skinny jeans and shit. You know, I mean, and even within that, there, there's no, there's no drama within what they say. There's no comedic relief. None. There's, just, there's no character depth. Uh, you know, it's every, just, every everybody's too hard for themselves. I wouldn't even call this hard. It, it, too. No, nah, but no, nah, but they're, they're 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 so swagged out. They got tats. They smoke loud. It's like. Like there, there's no, there's no like human element. There's no fucking vulnerability. Like I feel like it's what part of the thing that made Tupac such a great artist is because there was points where he, where he really sounded vulnerable. Like you know, what I mean, he really sounded like a human being. Like DMX. Like there was points in his music where he sounds vulnerable, where he sounds like he's just a, a human being. Right. Like it's okay to be a character, but. But these characters are supposed to be human beings, and you know, and that, and you know, it goes to the same with Odell Lancaster and Missouri Guyver, who they want to listen to. If I'm around the crowd, and it's funny, and I don't know if that, I mean I I believe in a lot of things, but that's another story. But um, it's like my persona can feel it, like. Nah, check out the crowd. Is right. like they talking to each other. Like, who's gonna grab this? You need medication. <laughs> <laughs> who's gonna like? It's it's crazy. It's a it's one of those type of feelings. It, I even like when I see when I see different people. Or, like, man, I, I can feel like going inside writing something. What did I just do? Odell Lancaster did that. I'm like, oh okay, I got this, and. With that, it's like, damn, okay, Azuri, you go ahead, because look at the crowd. The crowd looks like, oh, okay, they feeling like they want to get froggy. All right, I got this. Odell Lancaster. And then the, probably the first thing about, hey, we want to hear that latest song. You sit this out, Azuri, I know which one you're talking about. And I, I mean, the, 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 she sucks a lot of dick, but it'll be off, it'll be off the rip if... It was another song, be like, oh shit. I was worried you might want to get back in and love this song. Just or for an example, just go with the flow. Both personas come out. I I would love that. I would love if I ever you know, when I I ain't saying if I ever when I do a show, I would love somebody to, you know, download the projects and pick out their favorite songs and let me know what they want to hear. I bet you I bet you Don Rickle Nichols. <laughs> That 
One of the songs will be She Sucks a Lot of Dick. One of them is going to be some songs from Potential Equals Greatness. Some are going to be from Revenge, my first two mixtapes. Um, I feel that it, it will be not it will be not right to have both personas in there, but if if the crowd if my if my feelings and my personas is like talking to me like hey uh I got to look at the crowd pay attention to the crowd how human are they how insane they want to be tonight and you got to look at the atmosphere too the bar or the venue or whatever and. I feel like okay, like hey, get a get Odell Lancaster out there, get a Zuri Guyver out there, and it, it's hard, it's really hard. And, and, and I know people like even nowadays, like damn man, why don't you just stick with one? Because they listen to the music, they like nah, you need this, dude. You've been you've been doing this for years. You're you're perfect doing this now, man. You definitely you definitely need to have different elements to keep it interesting. Yeah, because. Like if You know if Like look at how Jay-Z's music gets though It's like it's so boring Because he's like fucking You know the black Robin Leach now All he talks about is shit that His original fan base Can't really relate to They can only aspire to Like you know what I'm saying So that So that, that element That element that he had before Kind of is non-existent because of where he is in his life and the type of things that are influencing him at this point. You know, like, like when you have someone, when you have someone like Kendrick who's like, you know, just out there, he's doing his thing. He's 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 actively trying to be the best rapper. He's actively trying to give people multiple different sounds to latch onto so that his music doesn't get boring. That's when you get the more interesting artists. I feel like, I feel like, if you can contain it, if you can contain it and and create your formula to the point where you know exactly, you know exactly what personality fits certain beats or certain songs better, and you can give the fans that and control it, then you know that will keep it interesting overall. But. You know, you know, as as an artist, right? Doesn't your life seep into your art? Oh, it definitely I mean, does. Life, life imitate art, you know? Or does art imitate life? Either one, you know. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah either one. Because you know, you know, we're older. Mm-hmm. You rap differently now than you did when you first started. All right. Okay, so thus you matured. Um, you're gonna have more money. Or less money, or no, you know, somewhere in between. You know, you have a girlfriend today, you ain't got her tomorrow. You know, those emotions and feelings. You know, I mean, as you said with Jay Z, you know, we all know how he started, and you know where he where he's at today. I mean, you know, we could call it a de-evolution, or maybe that was his evolution. You know, so I mean, you can't you can't call it anything but what it is because it's like. You can only you can only project emotions and experiences that that you that you can relate to convincingly. I mean, Jay Z sounds convincing to me when he talks about being rich because he actually is rich. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So like, dude, that, that's not a knock against him. Just because it's boring doesn't mean that he's not putting the same effort into the music that he was before. It's just that when when you don't relate to something. 
when you don't relate to something, it doesn't capture you as much. You can right. appreciate the fact that he's rapping well about the things that he's rapping about, but if you can't relate to it, then you can't attach yourself to it as a as a fan and as a consumer. Like, you're right. You're right. But then you know, like all these okay, these swagged out whatever the fuck you want to call them dudes, right? Like, uh, I can't relate to them. I mean, I listen to them. A lot of them sound aesthetically correct. Sound mm-hmm. sonically cool for the most part, but you know, and some just sound just. But, it, but it's, 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 it's simple. It's, it's because the formula, the formula that's set out for them, is simple. Like anybody can, anybody can rap over a trap beat and and um and stay on beat and to maintain a consistent flow. Talking about tattoos, loud bitches. Drink, like, you know, but they don't, they don't, it's easy, it's easy that because they don't, easy. they don't, they it's don't rap hard. about it, they just shout it out. I mean, recently I seen a video, what was it? You, you guessed it, you didn't even rap, it was just hey, you guessed it, like, what in the fuck did I just Bitch, see? You guessed it, like, I'm like, you're, you, that's not rapping, this is like, you're more like, you, a modern. And I'm like, Lil John did all that okay, and everybody want to start shouting. What? I no. mean, I mean, I, I can say this. I'm not, I'm not going, I'm not going to go as far as to say that I don't enjoy trap music. But like, when you were growing up, like, like there, there were certain songs, there were certain songs that played in the club, and that was okay because. Yeah. That was the place for that type of music. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But when niggas was on the streets, they was bumping music. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? They wasn't bumping club anthems ratting on the street. They was ratting on the street bumping hard shit. I feel like, I feel like, since like, since a certain point in hip hop music, I feel like the the singles and the jiggy and the fucking pop, the more pop shit or the more popular shit that's going around has seeped into the streets to where that that's what people tend to just think that's what's hot everywhere like you know what i mean there's no difference between club hot and street hot no more it's just like this shit just is it's like a sandwich it, it's just like a nasty greasy fish sandwich and i mean i i, I look at it as a sense like oh man this is not right this is not right how is it this is blended in the streets? Well, let me ask you this. not in the club. Let me ask both of you this right now. You know, they're okay. You know, we originally start talking about conspiracies and things of that nature, right? Yeah. In your perspectives, the way music is, particularly hip hop, do you feel that it's a conspiracy by, you know, those in the secret societies? Or is this the mass, you know, consciousness? Can I can I can I hey, say what? That? You, you can drop, drop the ball on that. Alright. Um well I think I think to a certain extent it is. And I'll give I'll give I'll give a little bit of an example, I guess you could say to back up why I feel this way. <clears throat> um in and particularly in hip hop, particularly in the, the mid, late eighties, early nineties. There was a lot of hip hop that was focused on teaching young black people their history and teaching them to be proud of who they were mm-hmm. and giving giving them something 
giving them something to be proud of while also making just out and out good music. Um, and I think that where NWA came out and they may have been trying to raise awareness as to the darker side of the streets and to what certain groups of people were, go were going through in their neighborhoods and on the streets. I feel like the popularity, the popularity of that brash image and the popularity of you know, because like you know, we all fucking thought Arnold Schwarzenegger was cool shooting Predator with machine guns. Like, you know, we we've always been that type of culture. You can't just put it all at the feet of uh, black people. But I feel like that whole commando desperado image that 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 type of music brought up at the time that it brought it up, it was um, it it, it was it was really like the perfect storm because. You take these people who are militant and radical for a positive cause, and then you kind of mix that up a little bit, put more negative influences in it, and then it starts to mutate over time. Whereas NWA was more talking about what's going on in the streets just from, you know, from the ground level, you know, like you, you take that and you get people who never had those types of experiences glorifying those experiences for the benefit of making herself look better to other people and to increase their profile. So when you have that type of dynamic, like it has to be it has to be something that was consciously done. They phased out they phased out those commercial examples of positive music um and replaced it with, you know, just vapid fucking rehashed fucking gangster movie fantasies, man. Like, well, okay. Since you brought all that up, right now, here's one perspective because um, the the rapper, the MC, uh, was your street reporter, but also too he was a member of the community. But one other thing that the rapper was at one time was the local superhero. You brought up Schwarzenegger, okay? Did I like Predator when it came out? Yeah, you know his movies. You know he was larger than life. He was the hero. Okay, you said that, um, because you know, like during that time, because you had what Schwarzenegger, um, Scarface, Scarface, uh, your man, uh, Steven, Steven Seagal, yeah, Steven Seagal. you had like all those movies, okay, so you had this music because now all those movies we just mentioned, right, there was no person of color as the hero, yeah, all right, so thus you had this music, you know, NWA, you had Public Enemy, they were larger than like heroes. Yeah, man, Chuck D was a hero in every black neighborhood in America in Public Enemy's Prime because, like, he even said it, like, when he starts, when he start hearing people compare him to Malcolm X, he, he, don't, he didn't think he could handle that shit because he was speaking, he was speaking truth for a large amount of people and people really, re that, that really resonated with people and made people's consciousness, consciousness uplift and think of things in a different way. Like, yeah, you could be from the streets, but use that use that rough edge, use that rough edge to do something positive. Use that use that heart that you got to do something positive instead of, you know, falling into the cycle. Think about think about why why you're in the conditions you're in. You know? Like they took that element out of the music, you know what I'm saying? Like
You know, there is, there is no brand new being, you know what I mean? There is no poor righteous teacher. There is no public enemy now. There is no school. Yeah, there is no fucking parish, you know what I'm saying? There is like, no KMD. The, yeah, the, the, None of the, that. You know, we don't have, like, the, the... I don't have a problem. I don't have a problem with music that, that bras can shake their ass to. I don't have a problem with niggas being gangster on record. I don't have a problem with none of that, but, like... Once upon a time, there was a balance. Like you can listen to, you can listen to trap called Quest and Wu Tang Clan. The albums mm-hmm. dropped the same day, got the same amount of publicity. You know what I'm saying? You could, you could go pick up a positive CD and a negative CD, both displayed prominently in the same area of the store. You know what I'm saying? Like now, it's like it's everybody is just trying to be a different type. Like everybody's trying to be Lil Wayne. To a certain extent, like everybody's trying to reach that level, you know what I mean? I, like, you know, I mean, I, I feel like that as well with the whole Little Wayne aspect. I also feel like, and when we come into the conspiracy of it, I look at it when we, I look at it on the news, and I don't even like watching the news, but you know, we got social media, we have internet, we have Facebook, and a lot of people post stuff out. It may be knowledgeable or may just be trash, and I don't want to see it on my page like that anymore, but. Hey, sometimes I look at it. I seen one ad they did on 50 Cent. You know, he went to another country. And I feel like, man, okay, 50's going to another country helping somebody out. He's doing, like you were saying earlier, with artists like N.W.A. and, you know, Public Enemy. Putting that message, those influential messages in their rhymes. You know, fifty cent fifty cents is what gangster got this gangster. Oh, he's hard, he got shot up. But in our brand, I mean I mean on the off brand between that exterior of fifty, he was it was just something else to other people. And when I looked at that when I looked at that report where this guy knew everything about fifty, that old fifty behind that exterior owns a dog, a little French poodle dog. He um goes to countries and he goes to a different country to help them out and experience what's going on and oh he do, he does this he he and, you know he basically decipher like okay behind this exterior he's more than this and honestly when Fifty first came out I liked Fifty I mean who did, did like Fifty took the world by storm he man. did and with that I was like oh man Fifty is this guy. But also other people that influenced me, and like I said, I'm from Detroit, Motown, where all the greats are at. Dilla. House of Hits, man. Exactly, and Dilla is just, Dilla, Proof, Black Milk, to a certain extent, Big Sean. <laughs> but, um, you know, Guilty Simpson, Almighty Dreadnoughts, it, it, vice versa, it goes down a list of the legends there. And... Can't forget about Slum, though. Oh no, that, that's what I'm saying. He's the bar, he's a part of that legend that made Detroit music and just hip hop how it was. Cause it, now speaking of Eminem, how Eminem came out and how I got up on Eminem, it was like, it was like okay, he's just this white guy that's rapping, but he's rapping about some crazy shit. Hey, but he's a white guy rapping like he's from the hood, like like he's not. Oh, I'm, but he's on some like okay horror flick type shit. It was it wasn't more. It was that, but people thought it was horrorcore. I'm like, no, nah, it's not horrorcore. He's just, he's just a crazy white. Dude. He's just a crazy white dude. 
I heard it. I was like, oh, man, this is crazy. Like, somebody from this city sound like that? Man, Eminem through the world by storm through the D office feet. Like, whoa. This white kid just comes out of nowhere start rapping like that? He blew the, and then he just blew the whole entire world by storm. I mean, other than, you know, him, people comparing him to Vanilla Ice. Yeah, no, there's no comparison. There is no comparison to that. Back in the 80s, okay, you know, he was doing the, uh, Vanilla Ice had the blonde high top fade and was doing all this and that. Hey, but that nigga MC Search was killing it back then, too. That well, you know what? All right, since we're bringing this up, this topic came up. The white rapper. Now, I know, like, some people in the hip-hop community have a issue with the white rapper. Uh, you know, I've heard things that uh, they're taking over. Blah blah, yeah. blah 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 blah. Yeah. Perspectives. The media, it's not, it's not the rapper's fault. Like, if you're white and you rap, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, yeah. At all. Some of my favorite rappers are white. You know what I'm saying? And that sounds like a super racist thing. Like, like, <laughs> like how how a, a white person get caught saying something racist and be like, well, one of my best friends is black. But yeah, I, I, seriously, some of my favorite rappers are white. Never had a problem with white rappers. Thing that I have a problem with is these fucking publications that have really no respect for the hip hop community and have no relevance within the hip hop community, crowning people like Iggy Azalea and Macklemore the king and queen of hip hop. Like that that's, that's fucking stupid. That is idiotic and asinine. And, that's and really idiotic, asinine. And that's idiotic and that is that is an example of the media coming out of left field and exercising their own little uh, exercise in cultural appropriation. Or, that's not that's not Iggy Azalea or Macklemore's fault. That's just the media trying to trying to put that that shade, for lack of a better word, over the hip hop community. Well, like, when it, well, real quick, real quick, can we not say at one time Eminem was the king of hip hop? Yes or no? Um, he, he he was top dog. Yeah, I I have to agree. He was. He was he, he was running yeah, the yeah, ship. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Now, but but to a but you have to remember his whole his whole credibility comes from. Dr. I was drained. I was just about to ask a black rapper Bert? who is in a black rapper and producer who's influential throughout all of hip hop. True. Fuck. Now, but, well, let me ask you this: Did Eminem earn? That top spot. Did he earn yes, it? Yes, yes, he did. He definitely. He earned it through skill and uniqueness and being the right person at the right time. Because I believe that, you know, in in the in the in the late nineties, early two thousands, there were a lot of white guys coming out of New York, a lot of white guys coming from all over that were just fucking dope rappers. But the thing that they lacked was that cosign by that person that everyone in hip hop respected. Yeah. Like like most people never even heard of Eminem, but since Dr. Dre said he was cool, everybody gave him a fair chance. Mm -hmm. Since he had the skill, nobody could deny that the motherfucker could rap. Period. No matter where you came from, everybody knew that Eminem could rap. 
I like to have even this. even if you didn't even if people who didn't like his music, I know I know per- personally that people who didn't actually really like his music, but they're like, yo, dude is like one of the best fucking pure rappers that I heard in a while. Like you know what I'm saying? And see, when it comes into that beforehand, uh, before how Drake gave it out to the world that Eminem was cool, people in Detroit didn't feel him. But you know who got him up on that before Drake? Proof. Proof. Yeah, I can name somebody. Uh, Everybody needs hood passes, man. And, and that proof was that. Khalifa, because, uh, you know. Speaking of Wiz Khalifa, how, how do you feel about Wiz Khalifa? Because um, y'all are native Pittsburgh people. You can't ask me questions on my show. Well. Yeah, man, no questions, man. No well, questions. you. I ask the questions. Well, you don't ask, okay? Next time, next time. Well, they, but no, because there's a point I want to come back that you made about Iggy and Macklemore. But I'll answer, I'll answer your question real yeah. quick. Look, Wiz, I remember when Wiz, uh, when I first heard of him, he was 14. Wiz Kid, that was his name, right? He's always been nice lyrically. Okay. The issue that I have with him and me and my the rest of the Pittsburgh brethren is this. When he was rapping, being Wiz, you know, rapping about different subjects, he was cool but until he wanted to become... Prince of the city, Mister. Uh, he pushing all this weight. Oh, you answered my question right there. Okay, and you and he could not be co-signed for his uh, dealings in the street. Yeah, see that that sense. I mean, yeah, that's that's the question. That you already answered it right there by explaining that. Because that's, that's the issue. That that that's what I've been hearing. I'm like, geez, damn, what, damn. That that is the issue, and also too now with him dressing like a. Confused metrosexual, <laughs> and you know, just yeah, but hey, man, oh man, but 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 I'm, you, I'm, you know how us Pittsburgh niggas are. My, my biggest issue with him is that he said black and yellow. As far as I know, it's black, it's black and gold. gold. Always has been, always will fucking be. Like, like I don't, I don't know where they got this yellow shit from. <laughs> <laughs> From what I heard, he was born in North Dakota somewhere. Yeah, that's what I was getting ready to implement as well. And wait a minute, and that's another thing too, because the truth came out, he's originally not from here. And, you know, so, like, right. his hey, 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 he puts on, he puts on. I'm, but, never, I'm never going to hate on him for that, because if it wasn't for him, a lot of niggas, a lot of niggas wouldn't have the opportunities that they have indirectly. You know what I'm saying? But you have because these- there wouldn't be noses sniffing around here if there wasn't that one guy. Or that group of guys who fucking made it possible for motherfuckers to be like, Pittsburgh has some talent, we should look around a little bit here. So I always respect Wiz Khalifa for that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but yeah. you know, but the reason why cats here don't feel them is because of that. Now, back to Iggy and Macklemore real quick. All right, you said, boom, the media's pushing them. Okay. Now, remember, you know, when we first started talking, we talked about a lot of different things. We was talking about white supremacy and certain... Sex, sexism, things that nature. I mean, yeah, and, and certain stereotypes. And okay. and look what we're look what we're hitting with that stereotype. Matter of fact, matter of fact, I just want to say one thing. You see how Macklemore gets praised for making positive music, right? Mm-hmm. For making music that's about positive subjects. Black positive rappers don't get no Credit. type of airplay. None. If you're black and positive, they don't want to hear it. You have to be fucking trapped out. Smoking her fucking whoop de whoop, you know what I'm saying? But like, if, if a black rapper had made the same love 
nobody would have heard that shit. Actually, it'd have been ridiculed. Exactly. Exactly. You know. I definitely agree. So, now since the media is pushing the king and queen, okay, you know, who is white, out of a music that was created by black people, my question is this. Is this a form of uh, white supremacy trying to take what's ours? It's, it's, definitely, it's definitely a case of a history trying to repeat itself just like it did with rock and roll. I mean, when you think about it, if you walk down the street and ask a regular black person who invented rock and roll, they'd be like some white dude with a guitar. You know what I'm saying? Like they 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 took they took the they took like Adam Free, the white man gave rock and roll his name, but we created the music, you know what I'm saying? Like like if it went once once you once you change that perception like and you perpetuate that going forward then you can force people to disassociate themselves from something that they created exactly so it's, it's already it's already happened with rock and roll and to me just just based upon you know prior events that's what it seems like they're trying to do they're like well Eminem came in and he's the all-time high-selling hip-hop artist so you know if we install some other people if we if we push this agenda maybe in 30 years a lot of black people will forget that they fucking that they invented this shit. They'll come up with some new shit, yeah. and then thirty years after that, we'll try to muscle in and take that over. But for now, you know what I'm saying? I mean, like, uh, you also, and I didn't mean to cut you off, but you also look at it like this with the Queen. I mean, from recent events, like you said, um, I don't know. It's been circulating around that oh, she was asked to be privileged to use the word nigga or to call us. You know that. I'm like, what? I don't know how true that is, but I mean, it's been circulating. I'm like, no, there's no way. But yeah, I definitely agree with you when it comes to that, because oh, I'm saying, I'm saying, like, it's wrong on so many levels. Like, yeah. Now, all right. Now, there, there's one, there's one part of me that can understand. A person that grows up in a certain environment, it might be okay because. It was allowed to be okay for them from the people that they were around, you know what I'm saying? But bitch, you're from Australia. You know what I'm saying? She's from Australia. Like and she tries to talk she tries to talk like she tries to deliver her raps in a completely different voice, sounding like somebody who she really ain't. You know what I'm saying? That's what's wrong with it. Like oh, Eminem Eminem rap never tried to sound like a black person. He just Use his regular fucking nasal white dude voice. Never made a conscious effort to really try to fucking, you know what I mean? Like put too much of an inflection on his voice. You know what I mean? Never, never tried to be anything other than who he was. Like that's the thing. Like if you're going to be, if you're going to be a part of something, be a part of it as who you are. Don't try to make yourself into a caricature of something that you believe. You know what I mean? Something that you believe that the culture is or the culture stands for. That's my thing with Iggy Azalea. Like. To me, it seems like she's playing a game. Like, it don't seem like she's being genuine. It seems like she's trying to fucking break it down to a formula and just try to create the ultimate hip hop character, like Robert Downey Jr. in Tropic Thunder. Like, she's a chick disguised as a chick yeah. playing another chick. Like, <laughs> and I mean, let's get, let's not, let's not. Well, let's get on the king. It's blackface without the makeup. Man. Yeah, I mean, let's get on the king now. The king, yeah, spitting out regular things, but we—you have to remember—not only is he white, 
when it comes to the community of how the white supremacy is like, okay, well, we don't want the gays, but this guy is a homosexual. He's gay. He's Macklemore is gay. And so, well... He just comes from, he just comes from that time, like, this, like, this time, this time that we live in now, people, like, the, certain agendas and certain people's personal feelings have been shoved down everybody's throat to the extent and yeah. where people... People tend to find that shit acceptable and find it okay. Yeah, and I like to iterate. I'm not a homophobe, so you know, I, I, I'm not making putting out a message like that. But it's just the fact that now, let me. It's also we do have we're starting to see the rise of, you know, different sexes coming up. You know, with females. Speaking of females, I'm like, who started the game when it came to female rappers and the king and queens and this and that? Nowadays, you don't even have that many female rappers. Oh, the fe the female MC right now. I mean, other than Rhapsody, and Rhapsody is never gonna get played on the radio because she she doesn't promote herself as a sex object. Exactly. You know what I'm saying Jean Grey's probably pound for pound the greatest female rapper of all time. Oh, of course. Uh, you, know uh, you gotta disagree on that. I mean, you can. I'm gonna bring out one name. I mean, you can say MC Light or something like no, that. No, 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 no. I'm saying Miss Lauren Hill. Ooh. But at the same time, like 50 said, she came up with an album and they have no beats. Like, you know, I know. what I'm saying? I know. Like, she, she's, a, she's a great artist, but at the same time, her sample size as far as, uh, like, her catalog can't stand up with Jean's just because Jean got more music that is her rapping. Like, Lauryn Hill is definitely up there, but she didn't, she didn't give, she didn't give enough material for her to leave a lasting legacy. I feel like what she left, what she left was more than enough for some for some people but i feel like it ain't enough for somebody that good i mean because you she, look at she, you went, look she at went crazy she went crazy uh but you know being in the music industry and being a, a strong little person we'll do that to you uh 4080 we forgot rule 4080 yeah. <laughs> industry is shady shady See, these are the conversations you have with your boys. But see, this time I turned the mic on. So everything in this podcast lecture series is at a Kid Seguri, Missouri Giver, and Dan Status. Recorded at the crib, of course. You know what I'm saying? So peace to the young lords on this one. Peace to you. All right, you can find Kid Seguri on SoundCloud. You can find Odell, Missouri Giver, on SoundCloud. All right. Also, too, you can find their album. Eight track on bandcamp.com and this right here is from the album eight track make shift yeah john fletch odell lancaster kid sigari this is real hip-hop this is real rap peace Pleasurable death sequence on the verge of enlightenment. Left region, cerebral left region. Pen exigent, lexicon beyond precedent. Talking strong on my scarf on you, Chad Pennington's. While I'm pinning tons, shotgun moss through the heavy lungs. Therapeutics, artists left to fill the air with music. Break this new shit, then I roll like Mayweather's Perry movements. Inhale deeply, workplace sweet pea. Verses on, wake up, mash them out like a big pea. 
Career arc on show where you emerging from the source. You can smell the shit I'm going through. Walking portable, so Owen dudes was so overdue. Stay killer shit, but not because the devil told him to. Sit back and just roll a few. This is a recurrent theme. Turn a verse to murder scenes. Just serve me, serve me, serve me. Fuck, you never heard of me. Shouldn't even say my name. Shove your fucking ass up in the freezer like David Blaine. Taco meat, chest gold, hanging like I'm raising, man. Toothpick, flick, change the lane. Major pain, no Damon Wayne. Stay high, cause I'm flaming flames. Too arrogant to think that I'll change the game, but don't do it for simple reasons like chains and dames. Sugi, Lancaster, Fletch, on that 8 track shit. Warm sound for the peoples. Yeah. It's superficial, no time for a growler's missile So superficial with no barrier issues Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious Worse of ferocious ice to fangs turns to osmosis Super Lud Jones bumping out of the headphones The super style is more bipolar than Kyle's super lucifer No co-defendants and no, I'm not a super intended Venomous fit with no jokes Gotta stay focused, super trooper words warm like a bunch of locusts Shit is atrocious, stupid with this hocus pocus Roaming the airways while running with my Superman punch. Crunching much chunks, we'll get their lunch crutch. What's the rush? You made a big fuss, now you in the baby hush. Entourage, block around, live to the bunch of clucking chickens. The blood thickens, and I'm on the boot licking. Super cape licking the funk, I'm off the monks. Ivy trunks, buddies, punky breath smelt like a dead skunk. Traveling the flux capacitor, dodging all the bull like the matador. Sorry if the metaphor didn't reach the front door to the end though. Clue flow to the shoulder now. Hit the wood and plan a flowing. YB Fletcher Sugi get groovy on the boards just scoring. And that's a fact, motherfuckers. I'm out. I move for no man. Come on, you pansy. Everlasting growth and shit for a month, metamorphosis Clear the floor when I open it, when my verses emerging shit Competition hurt them quick, grab a buzz when I bourbon sit Shots will take your dome and split, everybody who knows the flip I'm so in bro with this that I don't need a school best Smoke day, all day, forget the issue, who is stressing? I've been running for best L's when I roll, I was next in question Blow so retarded, it's a reason why I'm testing that Young Flex kept a hundred, that's my triple digits Feeling like I'm out with bricks to flip, but that ain't niggas business Strong arm stallion with the lion's mane Pride rock, they tear up if I'm touching their vision Now that's not a drop Motherfucker, I'm the coolest middle class around Moving up in silence like a goon, you better ask around I don't blast myself up like a coon so they ain't track me down You couldn't walk a mile in my shoes, it's not a hand-me-down The type nigga to eliminate Breaking this syllabus great, spitting up in them eights These niggas sleep, but that's cool, I'm just preparing to wake I ain't lose track of time on my grind, I'm just feeling them A's Get it straight Flex, nigga. Hey, Wolfman, I want to check my levels out on the Congo drums. Why don't you play them a little bit for me? Hey, 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 you want some trouble? You look good, baby. Go ahead, take a little bit. <laughs> oh, you got.